Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Mark Ramsey. Um, I've been looking forward to this one, uh, this episode. <laughs> Everything warm at this time of year is really appealing. Um, so Mark, uh, give everyone a little bit of an intro to yourself, maybe a little bit of your story, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into sure. some talk on Costa Rica. Sure, sounds great. Um, my name is uh, Mark Ramsey. I was originally born and raised in Vancouver, uh, BC, Canada. And I've uh, been doing IT work actually for 30 years. And about 10 years ago, I got into real estate investing in the US. I uh, did some uh, fix and flips down in Florida to start off and then got into multifamily in Cleveland, Ohio and Akron, Ohio shortly after that. And that's been my main focus for the, probably the last nine years has been the multifamily side of things. Um, sold pretty much everything except for one 76 unit complex currently in Cleveland, which we still own and operate and uh, it's cash flowing nicely. Um, I specialized in distressed properties. So we had uh, this one here was a almost not occupied with two derelict buildings uh, out of five. And we've now gone from, you know, 30% occupancy on three buildings to 100% occupancy on five buildings. And uh, so that's kind of our, my major success story with real estate. Uh, yeah. A couple of years ago, I started getting into, started looking uh, overseas because I decided I didn't really want to be in the U.S. market as much anymore. And I was looking for an exit out of Canada. So uh, I started doing some research on international markets and was looking at Costa Rica, Mexico, Portugal, uh, Spain, Italy, uh, just, just a bunch of different markets. Uh, Belize was a big one for me as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a conference down here in Costa Rica three years ago, and uh, the couple of trips down here, um, my wife and I decided that two things. One is uh, we're going to move down here. And the second thing was I really like the real estate market down here. So I uh, kind of dove in and bought some land to build on. And after that, uh, it's just kind of gone off the rails from there. So <laughs> so you're down in uh, Costa Rica doing real estate now what what is your real estate are you doing because you said you bought some land so is it development or are you just buying some things are you an airbnb what's the what's the thing to do so we've we've had several things on the go down here um and it wasn't just costa rica it was mexico as well so we've got a couple of things going on there but in costa rica we bought a couple of pieces of property here side by side to make one large lot to build a house on uh with the eventual idea that it would be a luxury rental uh, mm -hmm. when we decided to start traveling and then uh, a little while after that, I uh, got a really good deal on a piece of land in an area called Playa Flamingo up in Guanacaste. And it is kind of the Beverly Hills of Costa Rica. There's some really high-end luxury houses and condos and stuff in the area. One of the most beautiful beaches in Costa Rica, Playa Flamingo. Um, yeah. What's it? Uh, uh, the Palms Resort is right on Playa Flamingo. Um, there's uh, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. One of his Margaritavilles is right on uh, Playa Flamingo Beach as well. And it backs up against another major beach called Playa Petrero, which uh, has got a new marina going in right now, which is one of the, I think there's only four or five marinas all up and down the west coast of Costa Rica. And okay. so it's a big deal for the tourism side. So we looked at this property and decided that the price was right and we could get 16 condos onto it. So with working with a local architect, actually a Canadian architect based out of Calgary, but he's been down here for 18 years now. 
and uh, we're designing a 16 unit luxury condo development on this chunk of land and it's got 270 degree views, oceans, uh, Playa Petro, Playa Flamingo. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's gonna be really, really beautiful when it's done. So we're in the middle of that design. We're in the middle of the design process right now. We've gotten through the environmental process. Uh, we're waiting on our water concession and uh, we're just finishing up the uh, initial drawings and renderings for the floor plans. And then we can get into actual um, construction drawings and so forth as well. Awesome. Is any of that process different than if you were doing it in the US or Canada? Yeah, it is. There's 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 different things to be aware of down here. Um, the, the two biggest things down here, uh, the first one is title. Um, there's some weird, you can get some weird things going on with title down here. And it, I know of some cases down here where uh, someone was trying to buy into some property. There was issues with the title going back 20 years, and it takes them five or six years or even longer to sort out all the title issues before they can actually do something. So title's a big thing down here. Most of the time, it's free and clear, and it's uh, the kind of title where you it, you own it, and nobody can take it away from you, which is great. But you also have things down here called concession titles. Anything within 250 meters of the high tide mark is concession. And in most cases, you can't build on it unless um, unless you're grandfathered in on it, basically. A uh, good example of that is uh, we just signed an offer on a uh, one-bedroom condo with a rooftop terrace, uh, 75 feet from the beach, ocean views, beautiful. beautiful. And it's and it's on it's on concession land. So um, every 20 years, the the concession has to be renewed. It's just paperwork. Um, it's it's considered relatively very safe but uh, they're not making any more concession line down here. You basically, you can't build within a certain distance of the beach anymore unless there's already construction there and they've got a permit. So- <laughs> Does, Can you get second, insurance for that? Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, well, you can insure it. I mean, it's all, okay. it's, it, it, it's like freehold title basically, yeah. uh, but uh, just the government says, they, they just don't let you, you know, own it, you have to give a concession to it. So it, but in effect, because a concession just, it, it's an honor, it kind of, you, go, you submit the paperwork every 20 years, you get a renewal. The one we're buying, actually the concession runs out in 2023. So they're, they're starting the paperwork to make sure that that concession. Uh, I understand. I was thinking it was more like a flood zone sort of issue. No, 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 no it's, no, it's no. cause it's, the it's, government, it's, it's kind of like uh, the native land and stuff where you have to you know, rent and, and sort of things. You don't actually own it. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. So, and, and it's like Mexico within 50, 50 kilometers of the ocean or hundred K of an international border. Um, a foreigner can't actually own land there, but they can own land through a bank trust. Uh, so it's kind of the same type of thing, right? <laughs> so the second, the second most important thing in Costa Rica is water concessions. So the government uh, got uh, fed up with a lot of the water issues going on, especially in the tourist areas like Guanacaste. And they took over all of the water rights in the country. And everyone had to uh, go through a process to get permits and, and concessions for their water, even if they'd had them forever. Uh, in a lot of cases, people who are on city water, it's not a big deal because it's city water. But if you had a well or, you know, you're pulling water out of a stream or whatever, stuff like that, you haven't had to go through and, and get the concessions. So you cannot get a building permit in Costa Rica without a water concession, uh, with a wa water concession letter. And then, and that concession letter tells to you what you can build. Uh, it'll say, yeah, you have water for a three bedroom house. Uh, for instance, our project right now, we're putting, we want to put 16 units in. We only have a water concession letter for 10. So we're in the process of getting them to bump that up to 16 
and we, we can't pull a permit until we have that water letter saying we can build 16 units on the property. Um, those, are, those are two of the biggest things. Everything else comes down to, you know, is there utilities on the property? Um, is, is the land titled properly? Uh, a lot of the usual stuff you see, yeah. but as I said, mo most issues you see down here are to deal with, with title or water issues, so. Mm -hmm. To go back to your condos, like what's the plan with those? Are you gonna uh, rent them out as like an Airbnb? Or are you gonna sell each condo unit off or? It's myself and two Canadian partners, and uh, we're we're going to be pre-selling ten units and keeping six if okay. all our budgeting works out correctly. So uh, in the end, uh, the, between the three partners, we'll have six units to rent out as Airbnb or use when we want to use it, and yeah, the other the other ten will be owned by you know the new owners. So okay, cool. And yeah. whenever I I did a little research on Costa Rica because I was down there a couple of years ago and loved it and. Uh, I, from my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they introduced a, a short-term uh, rental tax or something like a year ago or a year and a half ago. Or something yeah, like there's a 13% there's a rental tax down here now on short-term rentals. And uh, even there's even a tax on long-term rentals over a certain dollar value as well. I think it's $1,200, if it's over $1,200 a month or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I have to look it up. <laughs> but yeah, but the nice thing is when you, when you do Airbnb and stuff like that, you still post your nightly rate plus taxes and fees, right? And Airbnb knows about the 13%. It automatically pulls it out when, oh. when someone makes a payment. So they, they remit the tax for you. It's no different than the hotel taxes if you go to Maui or any place else. It's just, you know, it, it's like a VAT tax in Europe. So um, the only difference is now is Airbnb, the government forced Airbnb to also uh, do withholding tax on income as well. And so they, they do do a kind of, yeah, withholding tax on, on the income. And then you have to file your returns and all that kind of stuff at the end of the year and you know, hopefully, hopefully get some back if all works out well. But um, the other thing down here with paperwork too is they use an electronic receipt system down here and basically if your receipts aren't electronic and they aren't submitted within a certain amount of time of them being issued quite often you can't claim them on your taxes so it really helps having a good accountant down here to manage all that stuff for you so you do get all the deductions you want to get because not like canada and the us where you can just kind of put everything in a shoebox till the end of the year down here you got to stay on top of it almost on a weekly basis pretty much to make sure everything's submitted when it's supposed to be that's interesting. I and mean, I wasn't even thinking about going down the tax route at all. So, <laughs> but so I'm guessing you have this, your taxes going on all the time. Um, you get all your American taxes done first and your Costa Rica taxes done first, uh, like uh, probably at the same time. And then your Canadian accountant does everything at the end. Uh, I'm guessing. <laughs> I just, I don't well, know. Anything. I, I, I'm in the position where uh, my U.S. stuff is only for the corporate side of things. I don't have a, I, well, I will have a personal return in the U.S. this year, but I, up until now I haven't had one. Okay. It's always been for corporate returns. Gotcha. Uh, in, in Canada, I am no longer a resident of Canada for taxation purposes. So all the investing, I've, I've tried to push all my investing until I moved down here. And so now I'm doing all my investing. So uh, because I did it all after I left Canada and became a non-resident, I don't have to file any taxes on any of this, this is what I'm doing down here in Costa Rica right now. Ah. Now money, for instance, uh, income coming in from my IT, because I still do some IT work. So uh, I don't pay any tax taxes on that. Um, the taxes I get from my properties, my property in the U.S., I pay the, the taxes on the U.S. side, there's withholding taxes and stuff on that side, but then, then the rest comes straight to me. Uh, Mexico, Mexico deducts, just like Costa Rica does, they deduct their income tax right off the, off the rental amounts. 
and then the balance just goes into my bank account and Costa Rica is the same thing uh, down here if, if money is earned in Costa Rica then I have to file a return in Costa Rica so I, I will have to file an income income return down here for the for the for that income okay when I was down there I was vacationing um yeah. is the cost of living um how is it compared to Canada or the U.S. That, that's a huge depends. Um, as you know, <laughs> Toronto, Toronto and Vancouver are just outrageous. I mean, it's one of the reasons I left Vancouver after being there most of yeah. my life is it's just, I got tired, I got tired of working just to live in Vancouver. And um, down here, if, if you're going to live up in the big tourist zones, like uh, coast, uh, the Guanacaste region, you want to stay, you want to live in Playa Flamingo, you want to live in Tamarindo, you want to live in some of the, uh, you want to live in San Jose, some, some of the bigger touristy areas. Uh, it can get more expensive. And over the last year, because of COVID, rents have gone through the roof. Uh, some stuff has doubled in places rent-wise. So it has gotten expensive. That said, um, if you want to live locally and simply, it can be quite inexpensive. Um, we, we, live in a, we live in a small gated community. We're up on the side of a mountain. So, I mean, to go anywhere, we have to drive. Um, we're paying 1200 US a month for our rent, which is a little more than half of what I paid for a crappy little townhouse in, in Port Moody, BC. Um, and we eat, we buy our food at the local markets wherever possible, all the fresh fruit, vegetables, uh, local, local meats, uh, dairy, all that stuff. Um, we don't buy all the prepackaged American foods because they're expensive. Um, you, may, you might buy a bottle of hot sauce or something, but you know, I'm, I'm not out buying boxes of Cheerios and stuff like that. So if you eat the lo if you eat locally and you live locally and you, you're not renting or buying the big house on the side of a mountain with a massive with a great view, um, yeah. uh, if even with my, even with my daughter's tuition down here, we're living for uh, probably around just over two thousand US a month, two thousand to twenty five hundred depending on expenses that month. Cool. And, and you then mentioned. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. As I say, the only time on top of that uh, is uh, medical insurance, because when you're, if you're, until you become a resident down here, you're not on the medical system, so you have to, you have to pay for uh, medical coverage, just like travel medical, but it's long term, and um, that that can get pricey. I think our, I think ours is upwards of five hundred bucks a month for the medical side of things. So, how difficult is it to become a resident? It depends on what kind of a resident you want. If you're if you're retirement age and you have a guaranteed income from your RSPs or uh, a company pension or something like that, it's it's really it's really easy to apply for a pensionado. Um, I do the investor's visa, and they drop the requirements on that. You only have to invest, I think it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the country, and that's pretty easy to spend on a. And you can, you can spend it on a house, a piece of property, a couple of properties, whatever. As long as you're investing in the country, uh, you can get an investor's visa. Um, then there's also uh, um, another type of visa, which you basically just have to put $60,000 US in a Costa Rican bank account. And uh, I think they pay, you're allowed to pull out $2,500 a month and it's good for two years. Um, and that's another way to do it. But the problem is it, it's a long process. Uh, there's a whole bunch of paperwork you do. We did a all our paperwork before we came down. We submitted it all. We came down here. The lawyer then submitted it all to immigration. That was last January. Uh, we still haven't gotten word yet. I expect to hear back somewhere between January and July next year, whether we've got our residency or not. So, and you mentioned like when you, as soon as you said like, oh yeah, you can buy a house and you can you hit your 150,000. Um, can you get mortgages there? As a resident, you can get a mortgage here. Okay. Um, and not, that's not a problem, uh, but they're, they're, they're expensive. You're talking, probably talking, you know, seven, eight, 9% 
interest, which also means that if you dump money in a bank account down here and have it sit there, you're probably also going to get four to five percent interest. Ooh, that's not bad. So, well, it's better so, than it's better than my in Canada anyway. It's still yeah, you know, yeah, it's so better yeah. to invest it. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is better to invest it, but yeah, you, you actually do make money on interest here still, but you also pay it when you need to borrow. So, <laughs> cool. Uh, last, I think this is my last question. At least that what I have written down. Um, it's beautiful there. Besides <laughs> the beautifulness and the weather and uh, everything, what's the advantage of going? or disadvantage of going and in, investing in Costa Rica over, I don't know, Florida or Arizona or um, like, because you said you were looking at Spain and all kinds of places. Why, why Costa Rica? Well, Costa Rica is just one of the places I'm investing. Like I said, okay. I invest yes. in Costa Rica, Mexico. I got a Bali project. We're looking at Portugal right now as well. But I like Costa Rica because it's still technically North America. Uh, it's an easy flight any, any, anywhere I want to go. It's a, it's a very stable country politically. Uh, the, the, the legal system here is very stable. It, it's, I can't remember what they call it. There's two types of law. Uh, Canada, U.S. use one, and, but Costa Rica uses another. And it's basically everything is black and white. There is no gray areas in the law down here. So it, for instance, if, it's, if something's not in a contract, then it's not in the contract, right? <laughs> Things like that. So, uh, but I mean, it, 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 it stay, it's uh, of, of most of the Central American countries, uh, you know, Belize and Costa Rica, I think, are probably two of the most stable politically down here. Mexico's probably a close third, in my opinion. Um, so between uh, political st stability, the, the dollar, the, the exchange rate to the U.S. dollar here is fairly, it's been stable for as long as I can remember. Um, just the whole lifestyle thing down here as well. Um, there's just a lot of reasons that Costa Rica is, it was our preferred place to, to live and invest. Yeah. And I just way off topic, but it just reminded me when I was down there, there's like two currencies too. And one of them is basically US currency, like par, right? I'm, is that right? They, they have the, they have the colonic. Yeah. Uh, and it's about 600 colonia to the US dollar. And that's been pretty stable and or about 500 colonia to the Canadian dollar, give or yeah. take, depending on where the dollar is sitting these days. Okay. Uh, so if you're in tourist areas, most places will take U.S. dollars. They'll give you a, they'll give you a restaurant bill, and it'll have the colonia and the U.S. dollar on it. You can pay either or. Okay. Uh, and if you give them your your U.S. or Canadian credit card, especially U.S. card, they'll run they'll run the the sale through in U.S. dollars on your on your American say credit card. Yeah. So. Well, that's nice. And um, you mentioned Belize a couple of times. I know that's an English speaking country. And I know yes. Costa Rica is a Spanish country. Very much is so. that is that been a barrier anywhere with like lawyers or any of this stuff you're doing architects? <laughs> well, you tend to you tend to seek out what's easier sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, for instance, my my architect, my primary architect down here is a Canadian. So uh, who's been down here for like I said, 16, yeah. 18 years, something 18 years, I think now. So yeah, it's pretty easy dealing with him. Um, most of the lawyers I know have all had some legal training outside of Costa Rica, and it's usually in an English-speaking university. So um, all the lawyers I've had to deal with for various transactions and stuff, they've, they've all spoken very good English. Uh, some of the, I also have a couple accountants I deal with and their English is extremely good. So when you, uh, even our dentist speaks really good, really good English. So when you start dealing with some of the professions, especially ones where they may, might've gone out of the country to get their degrees or to do some studying, uh, English is generally very good. Uh, where you, and if you're in the really touristy areas like uh, San Jose and Guanacaste, like Tamarindo and Playa Flamingo and Playa Coco and stuff like that, there is a lot of English because that's where a lot of the tourists go. But as soon as you get into the, the less touristy areas, um, 
then then you really do have to have a little bit of Spanish with you to get by sometimes because um, a lot of the people just they, they, they never had the opportunity to learn English so they don't right so we, we're kind of half and half down here uh, I because of me running basically two careers up until now um, I, I've been pretty focused on that and I haven't had a chance to focus on learning Spanish it comes to what you call a bandwidth problem it <laughs> only has so much bandwidth so oh, yeah. you kind of you, know, you focus on what's important at the time but my wife has uh, been learning Spanish for a few years now and she's she's doing exceptionally well down here so when it comes to dealing with when we have to deal with something in Spanish she's been doing really really well with it so that, that that's been a huge advantage for us so it certainly helps here Belize on the other hand like you said um it is the national language because uh, it used to be a British colony so yeah. it's very if you're really worried about the language issues Belize can be a really good place to go yeah. Um, but you're not going to have the same educational. If, if we have a daughter here with us, and so we are also looking for a place that had a good educational opportunity for her. Right. Yeah. And so there's a good bilingual school here, and it not, it's not far from us, so it's easy to get her to and from school. Whereas in Belize, it would have been a lot harder for us to find a school for her um, that would have had, you know, the educational opportunities that we wanted. So that was another contributing factor to where we where we decided to move to. Right. Well, Mark. You got me thinking about these tour <laughs> the distance ones again. Every time I have one of these on where it's like anything besides Canada or the US, I'm like, huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, that sounds really awesome. If people wanted to get a hold of you, uh, is there a way to do so? Do you, do you want people to contact you? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I have my email address, which I'll give to you and you can you can attach it to the to the video or, in the, or, sure. or somehow on your on your YouTube channel. So that's fine. Um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me at this point. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always on email. So, uh, and when you're, you'll find that when you're down this way too, uh, WhatsApp is huge. Every, everybody uses WhatsApp for communication. So it's kind of my, I've even got most of my friends back home to get on it so they can call me anytime. So yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's really useful. I've been so, converted to it too. I, I, I use it for everything, contractors, everything, just keep it all organized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great. <laughs> Love it. So yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on the show so much, Mark. I, uh, I, I don't know. I love, I love Costa Rica. It was a warm place. I'll have to get down there again soon. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Love living down here. I mean, anytime we're three and a half hours from San Jose. So when I do have to fly out, it's a bit of a pain because you got to get all the way up to San Jose, catch a flight. Quite often you have to go up there the day before. I mean, there are some it's not a very big country, but it does take a long time to get anywhere. Um, for instance, our project up in Playa Flamingo, that's a six hour drive for me. Uh, so when I do have to start going up there on a regular basis, it, it'll yeah. be for several days at a time. Cause, uh, whereas in the U S that would have been a, a three hour drive maybe. Right. So it's just, you gotta, you gotta take all that into account. I mean, it's still a small country. It's, there's there's not that many major roads places. So everybody of course is on those major roads to get, around the country and yeah. <laughs> it, it can be fun you know so you know it doesn't have the same type of infrastructure as canada or the us and when things break down it takes a little bit longer so it's okay. um <laughs> power internet i mean you got to understand that some days that well the power's out right now all right i guess i'm gonna do something else for a little bit and <laughs> comes you know comes back on a couple hours later and away you go again so uh yeah <laughs> Not quite awesome. the same as Canada. No, not quite. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Mark. I really appreciate it. No problem, Glenn. Take care and uh, great talking to you. Same. <laughs>